I was thinking this morning as I was um, getting ready to preach, one of the young men that I had just dealt with a week ago, his wife had died of cancer, and he and his daughter were here today, and she was just a, a young woman. And then the funeral that I have this afternoon, unusual to have a Sunday funeral, but the dad is 78 years of age, and it hit me. That's my age. But the Bible makes it clear it is appointed that each one of us are going to have to face the reality of death. This funeral for Alice uh, on Monday. Alice was at one time a very faithful, uh, committed member of our church here. I mean, she was here, and uh, we could count on Alice to be here. And then she became sick. She had a stroke. She came down with a horrible case of dementia. Her mind was just, uh, was just shot. I, I got to tell you this. I didn't tell it earlier, but I had no idea. As you know, I've been out of the loop for about uh, almost seven years now. So a lot of times I don't, the guys are good to let me know about things. But I, I, I didn't know what nursing home she was in. And I was over visiting at the nursing home. And uh, all of a sudden, I was talking to the nurse, and I heard a voice. Well, Dalmas, she spoke to have dementia, a mug like this you don't forget. Dalmas, Dalmas, what are you doing here? Within a few moments, and I wish I'd have said this in the early service, she said, I don't know if you know this or not, but Leroy and Nina, they have a tavern now. And she offered me a drink. She thought I had dementia, too, is what she thought. But, but I couldn't help but think, you know, um, none of us know what's going to happen, Phil. None of us know what's going to happen in any one of our lives. But we know this. We serve a God who loves us and a God who really cares about us individually. Um. I love the book of Isaiah, and I'm assuming that many of you have read the book of Isaiah. But Isaiah, the prophet, is spoken of 65 times. I mean, quoted. Quoted 65 times in the New Testament. 65 quotations from the book of Isaiah. The most quotes from any prophet in the scriptures. Interesting, isn't it? Now, if I see that Isaiah is quoted 65 times, it would tell me that Isaiah is a very important book for us to read. Would you agree? I would say it's a vital Vital book. In fact, his name is called a number, I think it's 20 sometimes, his name is called even in the New Testament. But notice this. Isaiah was written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. And yet Isaiah probably tells us as much about the coming Messiah, the coming Savior, as any book of the prophecy. 
In fact, it tells us of his virgin birth. Remember that? And, and I, I kind of toyed with this. When Aaron asked me to preach, I kind of toyed. Will I preach about the, the, the passage about the virgin birth? But then, I don't know, I kept going back to the 53rd chapter. And the 53rd chapter of Isaiah really tells us about the suffering servant. As I was reading through the book of Isaiah, there's one word that's used over and over and over again. It is the word behold. Interesting. I mean, really, if you read through the book of Isaiah, you'll notice that that one word, behold, is used over and over again. You know what Isaiah's trying to do? He's trying to get us to perk up. This is important. Behold, I've got something I want to tell you. This is going to be vital for you and for generations to come. Behold, behold. And he keeps throwing this word at us over and over again. Behold, behold. Wake up. Listen. That's what we got to say. And what does he want us to behold? It's interesting. He uses the word servant. But the word for servant there. As you read through the scriptures, you'll find that that servant that he's referring to is none other than Jesus himself. 700 years. 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. 700 years before Christ came into this life. Our earthly realm. Isaiah shares with us not only his birth, but that he was a suffering servant. One that was yielded to the Father's will. Remember Jesus would say, don't you know, I must be about my Father's business. That was when he was just a little boy. He said, I got to be about my Father's business. But the whole idea was he was committed to do the Father's will. Three things I want to see in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. First of all, I want us to look at how the people would deal with this coming Messiah. Then secondly, I want us to see what God has to say specifically about this coming Messiah, this suffering servant. And and then third, we're going to see what an unsaved, lost world who come to know him, what they will say about this suffering servant. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. Beautiful book, wonderful book to be read, and a challenge to every single one of our hearts. Look at verse 1. Here's what it says. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form, no comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised. He is rejected by men. He is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised 
and we did not esteem him. Listen, here's what the prophet himself says about this coming Messiah, this coming Savior, this suffering servant. He says he is a man of contempt. He's offensive to others. Nothing that he, physical form, outward looks that would appeal to anybody. He was innocent, but he was too weak to care for himself. His life, his suffering was a waste. All it is is a picture of man's inhumanity to man. Here's what, here's what Isaiah tells us. Isaiah tells us that when the Messiah comes, when the Savior comes, when Jesus comes, men will really reject him. Well, you remember in John, it says he came to his own. Does anybody remember that? And his own knew him not. So he came to the nation of Israel as their promised Messiah, as their promised Savior. He came to them, but they totally rejected him. Oh, there were Jews that got saved. But as far as the nation as a whole, they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Now, why did they do that? Because they wanted someone to be a king. They wanted a Messiah that would come and sit upon the throne of David and would rule over the people and he would take power and authority. That's what they wanted. But he didn't come that way. He'd come in humility. He came as... The prophet called him a, a suffering servant. He wasn't so much worried about seeing any form physically of him that he would appeal to them. In fact, when he came, really, there was nothing about him that really appealed to the people except the miracles that he performed. He didn't look like a king. He didn't look like a ruler. They wanted a powerhouse. They, they wanted somebody that would come on the scene and conquer those filthy Roman soldiers and let him establish a kingdom. They wanted a king. They didn't want a servant. They didn't want a man that was nothing about him that you would desire him. That's not what they wanted. So they turned their backs upon him and, and, and they rejected him. To them, he was despised. He was rejected. You read the New Testament, you find over and over again what the religious leaders did to Jesus. And folks, all you have to do is pick up the newspapers today. I'm telling you, attitude toward Jesus has not changed today from what it was then. John, there's, there's almost like a hatred for Jesus nowadays. I, I never dreamed that that day would come. But there's almost this, this bitterness toward the, the things that Jesus, uh, you know, lived for and loved and cared for. That there's almost a... a just a rebellion against anything that Jesus would call for. Oh, your folks say, oh, I don't believe that. I do. All you have to do is just watch real close. 
even Christians, are beginning to be the rejected, the hated. You know why? Because Christians have some values. And the world does not like the values of a Christian. They reject the values of Christianity. And I'm sorry if I might say this, there are many in the church today that have rejected the values that Jesus has promoted. They've said, no, we don't want anything to do with this. So what we have is almost a rejection just exactly as Isaiah had prophesied it would be. I remember one of the verses of Scripture that Jane pointed out to me years ago now. And it says, when he comes back, will he find faith? Will he find faith when he comes back? See, some of the hallmarks of Christianity is faith. We believe. We believe in what we have not seen. We believe in what we have heard through the Word of God, but we ourselves have never seen Him. We've never seen His miracles. We've never seen the things that He's done. We have a record, but we've never seen those things. So it is by faith that we believe. It is by faith that we accept. It is by faith. I'm not talking about blind faith because we have a, a biblical basis for what we believe, but it is faith that keeps us going. But here's what the prophet said. He said when he comes, they're going to reject him. They're going to despise. They're going to make fun of him. They're going to despise him. You know, you may not agree with me, but I really believe that if Jesus were to come today, I'm talking about, you know, being born today of a virgin, etc. First of all, how many would accept the fact he was born of a virgin? See, they're Christians and even some preachers that do not believe he was born of a virgin. But, but if he were to come today and, and we would say a virgin has conceived and brought forth a son and they're going to call his name Jesus, I've got a feeling, Frank, that a lot of Christians are going to say, you're pulling my leg. Do you think it was any different then? And see, see, many times, even we as Christians today, we, we want a Jesus that's good-looking, powerhouse, just anything we want, he can do it. We don't want a Jesus that is rejected, mocked. That's not the kind of Jesus that we want. So the prophet, the prophet Isaiah said that in the eyes of people, in the eyes of humanity, the world will see him with contempt. That's what he says. He says he'll grow up. He has no former comeliness. He's despised. He's rejected by men. He, he's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. So first of all, First of all, Isaiah says it is important that we understand that we realize that this Christ, this suffering servant, when he comes, he'll be, he'll be rejected by man. But I want you to notice this. Look at verse 10, verse 10 of chapter 53. It said, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, 
He shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the, the, the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Look what it says. God says, God says of him, I know what he's going to do. He's going to bear the iniquities. He's going to bear the sins of the people. He's going to take upon him self my sins and yours now God's saying I delight in him see that was God's plan from the very beginning God says I delight in him my, my heart is excited God says because my savior Jesus is going to do just exactly what I've sent him to do so I'll delight in him I don't know about you but it's kind of interesting that God says I'm delighting in him I'm, I'm back home, we'd say tickle pink, but I'm just so happy. This Jesus is going to do everything that I desired for him to do. He's going to bear the iniquities of the people. See, see, see Jesus, even when he, the, the, the only time that we really hear Jesus Concerned about self was right before he was to be crucified. Remember that? And he was in the garden. Remember in the garden of Gethsemane? And he was praying and he said, Father, if it be possible, remember what he said? Let this cup pass from me. But he was so submitted, so committed to the will of the Father, he was going to do just exactly what his Father wanted him to do. And his Father says, I'm delighting in this. You see, a yielded servant, and that's what Jesus was, a yielded servant to the will of the Father is exactly what God wanted him to do. The Father sent him for the purpose of dying on a cross. The, the Father sent him. That, that, that's why he came. I remember years ago, I saw, I saw a picture, and, and, and probably you've seen one similar, but I saw a picture of a manger with Jesus in the manger, but there was the shadow of the cross over the manger. Now, now when I started today, I said it's appointed that all of us are going to die. We know that, don't we? Getting closer to me all the time. I'm having funerals of 75-year-olds, 76-year-olds, and I'm clipping on beyond that. I need a good chiropractor every once in a while to help me. But I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I, I realize that those days are closing in on me. But I never saw myself as being born to die. Think about it. I was born to live. I, I was born to have life. I was born to please God in what I do, but I was born for the purpose of living. But I'm going to die. I want to remind you of something. My Jesus was born for the purpose of dying. Remember? The book says he was slain. How, from, how far back? He was slain from the foundation of the world. See, from the very beginning. Before God even created man. Jesus was already understood that one day he would come and, and, and one day he would die. And why would he die? He would die for the sins of mankind. 
He, Jesus, was born to die. That's hard to get hold of sometimes, isn't it? But that's why he was born. He was born for the purpose of going to the cross. Well, yeah, but, but people forced him. No, no, no. He was already preplanned. All the way back when the first animal was offered as a blood sacrifice, that was all preparatory for the coming of Jesus. That was all preparation for the day when Jesus would come and Jesus would offer his life for you and for me. Friends, let's understand something. The world hates him. The world rejects him. Thank God if you've accepted him. Number two, the Father sent him for the purpose of dying for us. And his life that he lived here on this earth, he lived with the purpose of pleasing his Father. He was a suffering servant. He was submitted fully, completely to the will of the Father. That's why Jesus came. But he came not only to do the will of the a Father, but he came to die. L listen, every one of us right here sitting in this building right now, we're sinners. Every one of us, we're sinners. Now, I am a sinner saved by grace. The perfection has never yet reached me. The only perfection I had is when Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, moved into my heart. Dalma Speaks is nowhere near perfect. Don't even talk to my wife about that. Nowhere near perfect. We've all sinned. We've all come short of God's glory. There's none righteous. No, not one. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So we're all sinners. But he came to forgive us of all of our sins. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. I, I, boy, I use this verse now. Every time I do a funeral, one that you know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. Because God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It really got me. He really got me one day, and I know that I've done this many times. I'm going to do it again. Every time I think of how much God loved that he let his boy die for me. Now, you've heard me enough. If you've been around this church, I've got one boy. His name is Rob. I love him. He's my son. I told you for Father's Day, he sent me this little note that said, Dad, I'm so glad you chose me to be your son. See, I didn't choose the girls. They just came along as a result of love and marriage. I didn't choose them. They just, there they are. But when I met Janie, she had this little curly-headed boy. I said, I always fell in love with my boy before I fell in love with her. 
but it just, I, I cried. Dad, I'm so glad you chose me to be your son. But my heavenly father, my heavenly father has one son, only begotten of the father, okay? Jesus. And he let him go to a cross and die for me. Now, Frank, you got so many kids, you don't know which one's which, but <laughs> then this one come along. We love you, buddy. But can't even imagine giving up your only son, this son, not your only one. But you can't imagine giving up your daughter. You can't imagine giving up one of your children. Not one of us in here can even have the thoughts of giving up one of our kids. And yet the Bible tells me that God so loved me that he gave his only son and he let his son go to a cross and die for me. Think about that. That's how much God loved us. I want you to hear these verses. And I'm not going to go as long as I did this morning, Aaron. I'm going to shut up here in just a second. Listen to these verses. These are good. These are good. Look here in verse 4 of 53. Listen to this. Surely he hath borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Think about that. He's borne my griefs. He's borne my sorrows. He took upon himself my sin and your sin. And he went to the cross. And he died. He died for me. He died for you. I love this. I, I was just thinking as I was finishing up preparation for the sermon today. There's a passage over in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, uh, chapter 8. Uh, Philip had just been preaching, and, 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 some, and, and, and God had just blessed him in such a marvelous way. And folks had gotten saved. I mean, large numbers of Samaritans had given their heart to Jesus. And, and then God tells him to go out in the middle of the desert. There's one guy out there I want you to talk to. Now, wait a minute. He was a well-known preacher now, Philip. He had preached to large crowds. Why would God send him out in the middle of nowhere? Because I'm going to tell you why. God loves that one little guy out there in the middle of nowhere just as much as he loves the crowds. Isn't that wonderful? God loved me. Delmas Meeks, he loved me. And he loved you individually. I'm going to tell you something. People are not saved by crowds anyway. People are always saved one by one by one. He sent them out in the middle of the desert. And there was this guy out in the middle of the desert. He, he was an Ethiopian. He was a eunuch. Wealthy man likely. He worked for 
Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. He was sitting in a chariot and he was reading, and guess where he was reading from? Isaiah 53. So Philip ran up to him, heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. He said, do you know what you're reading? He said, how can I? Somebody's got to guide me. So he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place that he read from the scripture was he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as lamb before shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered, and Philip said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet speak of himself or somebody else? And Philip opened up his mouth and began at that scripture. And do you know what he did? He preached Jesus. To him. Why? Because that's who Isaiah was talking about. When? 700 years before he was born. 700 years before Jesus ever was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Isaiah was writing about his coming. In fact, old Philip said, I got a message for you. The prophet is talking about my Jesus. He's talking about my Jesus. I had, uh, had Steve one Sunday in our class to play that song, Let Me Tell You About My Jesus. Have you ever heard that one? Pull it, pull it up if you've not. Pull that thing up. I'll tell you what, if I hadn't been a Baptist, I'd have cut loose shouting all over the place. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I love that song. And Philip was saying to the Ethiopian eunuch, let me tell you about my Jesus. That's who Isaiah was talking about. He was talking about my Jesus. Let me tell you about him. And he preached Christ to him. So let me tell you about my Jesus. If you don't know him, you can. He wants to be your friend. By the way, I love it when it says, and he called them his friends. Isn't that neat? Remember, we used to sing a song, what a friend we have in Jesus. He called us his friends. And he's my Savior. He died for me and you. That we could know him. Father in heaven, search our hearts today. Father, I do not question. I do not question, Lord, that Right here, the majority of people, by far, that they know Jesus. But the prophet Isaiah wanted to lay out before them the truth of Christ. So that even people today who may not know him might trust him as their Savior. Search our hearts, Lord. Search our hearts. And perhaps today, while I'm praying, there may be someone here, you've never met Jesus, you've never committed your life to him, and you might say, yes, today, I want to commit my life to Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to sing the final song, but if you do not know him, I trust that you might be willing even today to come and say, yes, today I commit my life to him. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.